Hi everyone, you're listening to Humanize Your Workplace with Alyssa Carpenter, where we chat about all things, well, human. On each of these bite-sized episodes, I'll give you something new to try to become more self-aware, help you build better work relationships, or just try to get you through a sticky work situation. It all starts with an open mind and a conversation. Hi everyone, this week on Humanize Your Workplace, we have Tisha Nesbitt Arrington. She's a Director of Diversity and Inclusion and Community Outreach at an Erie Insurance Group and the principal of her own business at Phoenix Rising Coaching LLC. Thanks for joining us, Tisha. Thank you, Alyssa. I am so excited to be here on this Monday morning with you talking about how to humanize your workplace. I would love to kind of kick things off as I've been doing with a lot of my guests. If you'd be able to give a shout out really to anyone in your career who's helped you become who you are today, who would it be and why? Well, I'm actually uh, tomorrow celebrating my 18-year service anniversary with my primary employer. So I'm Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So when I think about that first day uh, of my interview, actually, uh, there was an interview panel and uh, the woman who was the manager of the department I was applying to was on the panel. And uh, I would say that first day and all the subsequent days of my uh, employment uh, for the next seven or eight years, uh, Karen really identified, recognized talent in me probably saw something that even I at that time might have been slightly too young to realize and recognize, but really through her uh, encouragement, her advising, and her challenging me, she really helped uh, to put me in a position to be able to land the role that I'm in in that organization today. So I am uh, eternally grateful to, to her for her wisdom and her support. I love that one, you were able to meet her earlier on in your career, but that it was so interesting how you even said she saw something in you that maybe you didn't see yourself. And I think having people in your life who are able to do that and kind of be your sponsor and be able to move you forward is just so crucial and so important. It is. We, we really just need to embrace those opportunities to, you know, just bring our full selves to whatever we are doing in work or in our personal lives. And when we connect with someone like that, Uh, We really just kind of want to honor that experience and that person by continuing um, to show up authentically. It's really a a tribute uh, to them as well as to ourselves. I I really can't agree more. It's completely on target. And it's it's interesting. So you and I had a conversation before, and I work with a lot of companies and organizations that are really interested in learning more, whether it be called affinity groups or ERG groups. Can you tell us a little bit about the evolution of these groups within the organization that you're celebrating your anniversary with and how they've really helped support diversity and inclusion? Because sometimes I, I think we have them, but we don't know what to do with these organizations or see their value. Yes. You know, so we started with employee resource groups and many companies started with affinity networks, but we started with employee resource groups. So we really could be able to kind of tackle problem solving from a number of different perspectives that really kind of align to the business. So um, for the department that I lead in our organization, our diversity and inclusion department, we have six areas of focus and five of those areas of focus are the ones that are employee resource groups are aligned to. Um, So that includes our agents, our employees, the workplace, customers, and community. And 
what we did was when we started off with the resource groups um, in 2011, we wanted to make sure we were capturing various dimensions of diversity and inclusion on these teams because it's voluntary for employees to participate on them. So we wanted to make sure we were, of course, um, thinking about and accessing perspectives from, from a race, gender, culture, ethnicity, uh, age standpoint, but to also make sure that we were inviting perspectives that also represented different levels of service within the organization. So whether you had been with the company for 30 years, 10 years, or two months, um, and then thinking about the different um, geographies across our footprint. We did not want to isolate the opportunity to participate to just those based at our headquarters at home office, but also in any one of our other uh, 11 states uh, to be able to participate as well. So we were really thoughtful about making sure we were getting perspectives um, uh, invited to the participating uh, groups, but also uh, making sure that people saw this as a development opportunity. So one, you get a chance to maybe hone or further develop some skills that are important to you, um, but you're also getting to really do something that you have some passion around because so many employees would come up to me and say, I really want to support what you're doing in diversity and inclusion, and uh, this is a way that I think I can do that. So our resource groups really help us think about business issues and problem solving for those five areas of focus. Our affinity networks are a more recent structure. We established those about three years ago. And those, those affinity networks are really looking at more of the traditional dimensions of diversity. So uh, we have a women's group, an African-American group, veterans, um, a multi-generational group. And what we find is they're also bringing a unique um, set of um, ambitions and desires for how else we can really support as an organization all of our employees and other stakeholders who are part of those communities and making us um, really challenge ourselves to ensure that um, we're thinking about how women are developing in the organization or how um, employees of color have opportunities and how else they wanna be able to give back, not just to the organization, but in some ways that we also support uh, our communities. So that's really been what our journey um, has been in terms of getting started. And our next steps really are about how we can become even more strategic as we support the enterprise's goals um, for today and tomorrow. So how do we even more tightly align those employee resource groups to our enterprise strategy and how they can make really informed recommendations to the business areas? And then also thinking more about how we leverage those affinity networks. Um, how do we tap them when we want to test or validate some ideas with our services or our products for our industry? So that's really been how we started and kind of where we are today and where we're going with those stakeholder teams. And I think you brought a really interesting and important distinction between affinity groups and ERG groups. If you could kind of quickly even explain to our audience, because some people see them as merged or as one, what the difference would be between an affinity group and uh, employee resource group. So really, um, the way we have, have defined this, and I don't think it's unlike what most other organizations do, affinity is something, again, that you are going to have an actual connection or a characteristic that you are sharing with another group of people, hence the women's group, the African-American group, the veterans group. And one of the things that I do think is important to say for us is 
you can also be somebody who wants to support that particular Mm -hmm. demographic's um, interests or their causes. So just because you're joining the women's group, we certainly want to make sure that men are a part of that conversation. Nobody is excluded. So one of the stipulations for starting an affinity network in our organization is that it has to be open to everybody. So you can't start a group and say, we only want the people that represent this particular affinity to be a part of it, but rather have everybody be able to join to help make it richer. So the affinity groups really are about specifically um, those traditional dimensions of you know, race, gender, so forth. The employee resource groups really are focused on less of those dimensions of diversity and more about how we start to bring more of our thinking diversity to the table um, to attack business issues and do problem solving relative to how we are trying to um, manage our business uh, and corporate priorities. So that's really kind of what the difference is between those two, um, if that helps. No, that's perfect. Thank you for making the distinction. And I like what you said, too, about that you can create an affinity group, but it you need to make it open to other people. You know, people can be allies, even though they don't identify with a particular trait um, that people within that organization or that group do. Absolutely. That it just It's just better for all of us as we're trying to make sure that we are indeed holding ourselves accountable to being inclusive. And that that means modeling what we're talking about in terms of inviting everybody to the table. So we have found that to be a really useful way to engage people and to get more employees interested in starting uh, affinity networks. And that almost kind of segues into my next question, because some organizations are considering creating these groups. And that would be one thing to make put into consideration that it's open to everyone, um, whether you identify or want to be an ally and support the group. But what are some other things that if you're thinking about bringing whether an affinity group or ERGs to your organization that you really should think about? So three things that I would uh, offer uh, if you are considering doing this, and one of them I I alluded to it previously was really identifying what your enterprise goals and priorities are and understanding how these groups can help support your success and your progress with those goals and priorities. If you uh, do not align your stakeholder teams to that work, Um, It will feel as though you are disconnecting um, contributions that employees can make from what you're trying to achieve in terms of your business results. And this shouldn't feel like that. So you want to make sure that you understand what those enterprise goals and priorities are and align the stakeholder teams to them. The second uh, consideration I would add is asking yourself whose perspective is missing from your most pressing business needs or your most important business conversations? Um, What perspective, point of view, personality, um, what level of uh, experience might you be missing in that conversation or in attacking that business need so that you can make sure you're inviting that missing person or that missing perspective to be in this conversation? And then finally, think about how you will integrate this into your talent development strategy. I think what's really important for people to um, consider when they are establishing these teams and also for employees who are considering joining them is what is the development opportunity for the employee? So this this should feel like while it is an additional set of uh, tactics, 
uh, for someone to take on outside of their full-time role in the organization, it should also feel like the return on investment is strong for them. So how might I get better at project management skills, presentation skills, um, event planning or coordination? What are all of those things that I am, am looking to really uh, fulfill in terms of my overall professional performance um, by participating on this team. So if this becomes part of how you develop your employees, that makes it an even more integral part of your uh, business strategy. So those are my three recommendations on what to consider when you start to explore creating stakeholder teams like ERGs and affinity networks. And it's really interesting when you were talking about just this idea of leadership and thinking about the next steps, because it's it's really true, because we might not get that in our particular role or a job function, but these groups can provide so many opportunities for us to kind of take the step back and take on a leadership role, whether it's in this group or an event that we're having. When you're thinking about that, what are some other ways that individuals or some of the questions that we can ask if we're feeling lost and looking for that next step or that next opportunity to really move our career forward? Well, I, I, I love this question, Alyssa, because one of the things that we do in our organization, we do have an internal coaching network. So we have a coaching faculty of leaders uh, who employees can choose from when they decide they are ready to work with a coach and uh, the coach and, and I'm on that coaching faculty and the coach is really designed to help employees problem solve, um, provide some reflection points for them in terms of understanding what uh, they're looking for in terms of their, their next step in their career. So it's not about giving advice or telling the employee what they should do, but really asking them key questions, critical questions that will allow them to puzzle through um, maybe some anxiety they're having about making a decision or just that uncertainty that we all can face, whether we're early in our career or maybe in mid-career. Um, and it's also what has really been um, the catalyst for me to start Phoenix Rising Coaching because I feel so strongly about standing in my purpose when I'm coaching others that I wanted to make sure that I created an, an additional platform to be able to do that. So when someone needs to think about questions that might help them work through um, that state of uncertainty, some things that I might suggest um, is, you know, just asking yourself, what is it that I want? Um, what's holding me back from getting that? How have I been getting in the way of my own goals? What commitments am I willing to make? And then when will I start? Because those questions and your ability to answer them will create the transparency and hopefully that aha moment uh, that you will know, this is what I wanna do. This is maybe what I'm passionate about or purposeful about. And these are the steps, the commitments, the sacrifices I'm willing to make to get there. And I'm willing to put that plan into action by setting a date for when I'm going to do it. Those to me are, are some foundational questions that a person can ask themselves when they're feeling a little bit lost on their next step. And let's say we, and I think it's tough too, I've worked for definitely organizations who have the coaching and I think it's so incredible. And sometimes it's hard though, as an individual, even if you have the coaching to then go up and say to your supervisor, I want something new, I want something different or add something to the role. How can we actually approach our supervisors or have conversations around wanting to develop as employees? 
So I think uh, one of the, 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 the many roles that supervisors play is, is certainly to provide feedback to us and to help provide guidance to us um, as we're performing in our, in our roles uh, under their leadership. But the um, value, too, is, is, is really having a frank conversation with their supervisor to say that I think I need to kind of explore what my next steps are and perhaps have somebody who is in a, in a neutral position that I might have that conversation with. So while you still value the transparency and the communication with your supervisor, um, inviting them to perhaps make a recommendation about who else in the organization or externally you might talk to um, can also give you just another uh, point of view to consider um, as, you're, as you're working through uh, what can sometimes feel like an overwhelming dilemma. So if you're already having conversations with your uh, supervisor that are not just at the time of performance assessment, but really time dedicated in a one-on-one -on -one to talk about your development and your aspirations and talk about your strengths and your assets and your opportunity areas, that kind of conversation that you are already having, or I might suggest that you initiate having with your supervisor, can then lead to these other opportunities to uh, broaden your professional network in your organization and identify who else uh, can be in a supporting role to your supervisor as a coach or a mentor to you. So I think just being certain of the fact that you want to demonstrate to your supervisor that I'm really feeling like I, I'm empowered and I wanted to show to you that I'm, I'm looking to advance my skill set and my opportunities and give back to this organization. How else can I do that? And invite them to make some recommendations. And hopefully they will uh, offer those other resources that I just mentioned. I think those are some important first steps for a person to take. And I love that. And you almost kind of reframe it. So it's not really about the person and their next steps and what they want to do. It's organization first. I want, you know, we want to make an impact. I want the organization to go further. What can I do? So it's not very self-centered and self-focused. It's, you know, for the greater good of the organization and how can I be involved? Absolutely. You, you want it to be both and and uh, not either or. And I do really quickly want to circle back to a comment that you made about something to think about when organizations want to start ERG or affinity groups, because I just found it really kind of eye-opening. And oftentimes, we don't use these groups to figure out who's missing from the table or what other opinions or what are other ideas. And it's oftentimes because we don't think about it. And it's almost a blind spot for us. And we feel like we have everybody at the table or we feel like everybody's opinions being heard. How has your organization brought in these groups or if somebody maybe not having includer as a strength or something where they can realize that they don't have anybody in their room? What is something that you've done or your organization has done to ensure that additional opinion or opinions are heard? Uh, well, um, one thing that I, I, I think has been uh, somewhat unique for us, one of our networks, uh, the one that focuses on uh, the multi-generational workplace, um, you know, we have at least four generations uh, present in our workforce. And certainly that can lead to um, gaps in communication because each mm -hmm. generation is coming in with a very distinct set of experiences and histories and work styles and expectations. And you want to find ways to create more harmony across those generations and make sure you're getting the most value out of how everybody is, is coming into the organization and approaching uh, their work um, in unique ways, but still in valuable ways. 
So uh, this network um, identified one uh, opportunity to do that by uh, creating uh, a lunchtime event where they encourage employees to invite one or more other employees from a generation different than their own to essentially break bread with them and provided a number of uh, thought starter questions for the groups to, to use to talk about, you know, how they're approaching their work, you know, what their career journey has been, um, what their industry experience is, how they've been able to meet challenges in our own organization based on uh, their level of service. And this has really been um, a successful way in garnering more communication across those teams because it does then end up translating back to your work group. So everybody, I think, can appreciate that opportunity to commune uh, over over good food, but then mm -hmm. it also creates that way of informally allowing people to really kind of talk about um, what they've been experiencing um, based on their own history. I know one of the things that I did to help model this um, with that team was to invite a number of colleagues from different generations uh, who I've worked with and who uh, were rather new to me as well. And we maintained our lunches on a quarterly basis and really kind of uncovered um, some maybe challenging things about uh, what it means to you know, be in an organization for a number of years and, and maybe try to test different ideas and how those ideas get implemented or how they may be, um, maybe have been asked to maybe hold on sharing um, that insight. And so how we each kind of react and respond to those experiences was really a good way to um, think about how we're gonna use those understandings and those insights in situations we might be facing in the organization moving forward. So that was, it was kind of a, it's, it's, it's an event that's now become a little bit of an annual event um, with that network. We've done it for a few years and um, it's a chance for employees to just gather in our courtyard in the summer and keep those uh, cross-generation conversations going. I love that. And as someone whose business really is about cross-generational communication and really talking in this multi-generational workforce, I love how that was, one, recognized as something to kind of bridge and work through. And two, it's a very informal setting where you're able to have those conversations and there were questions to be asked. It wasn't just throw everybody in a room and then have them, you know, have at it. It was, let's talk through, th through some things and let's work through um, some things together, which I, I think is wonderful. Absolutely. It's, it's been, uh, it's been very rewarding to see how that event and, and, our, and all of our, our networks and research groups, I mean, they're, they are really kind of helping us to think about how we push the envelope a little bit in terms of communicating and promoting and celebrating diversity and inclusion. And um, it's just been exciting to, to be a leader and, and watch how this is unfolding in the organization in so many positive reaffirming ways. I think it's awesome. I really, really appreciate you taking the time um, to talk with us, Tisha. I know I learned a lot and I'm guaranteed that our audience has as well. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Alyssa. I appreciate being a guest on, on your podcast today. And I would really invite uh, your listeners. One of the things that happens to us, it happens to every one of us. We read something, we go to a conference, a training or an event, and we get really inspired by something. And we have every intention of going back and taking action on something that we heard. So I'm hoping your listeners heard something today they feel they'd like to take action on. And 
I would also challenge our listeners to think about before you start to check into your email and head into a meeting, um, please uh, take a moment, uh, feel free to, to join me on LinkedIn or go out and visit uh, my website at aphoenixrisingcoaching.com. I'd love to hear from you and to hear about um, how you are ready to maybe make a change in your career and think about what your next steps are and really create an action plan for doing that. So before work and life gets crazy in the next 10 or 15 minutes, maybe make a commitment to yourself to take a step to uh, honor your possibilities going forward. I love that. Thank you so much. And to our audience, if you have any questions that you'd like to ask Tisha, please feel free to reach out to her. Any questions that you might have for me or on future podcasts, please reach out to me on Twitter at not okay, that's okay. Until next time. Thanks again for listening. But did you know that you can leave me a voice message to answer any questions on an upcoming episode? Just go into the show notes and the link will be there at the bottom for you to send me that message. Have a great day.